In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So I took a nap. I was asleep 30 45 minutes and that's when I was awoken by a cougar that had stalked in on me. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We We salute salute you. you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I am here with... My brother from another mother, Dale Culver. And uh, if you see the guy sitting next to me, I'm here with Josh Calger. He is live in the studio. How are you doing, man? I'm doing wonderful. What's going on in your life? Well, I'm just hanging out. I really don't care. Hanging out. I'm thinking about going hunting someday. Well, you keep talking about it, but you keep waiting for people to like hold your hand. No, no, no. I'm, Get I'm, a gun. Go sight oh, yeah, I should buy a stuff gun. And take initiative. I don't have any guns. Well, I mean, you've got the stuff. You just I need do. to pull the trigger, literally. No, I'm... Uh, I don't want to sleep outside on rocks. So then you don't want to hunt. Yeah, I'm kind of soft. You you could like buy an RV or something, but yes, there's a lot of ways to hunt and not and sleep on a rock. And then I can have a port window in there that I could stick the gun out of and just... I went hunting with a guy about 10 years ago, and he was like, that was the first time I ever went poop in the woods. I'm like, dude, really? Oh, see? That was the first time? Yeah. Have you ever went poop in the woods? I think when I was little, I'm really, really not big Are on, you kidding me? I don't want to squat against a tree. I don't know. I don't know. The fact that you said against the tree tells me that you've never gone poop in the woods. I when I was little, that's been a long time. You need to go poop in the (laughs) woods. Rock stick twigs. You know, I had an experience with a guy who went poop in the woods, and he said, "You know, he said, hey, his dad told him just use a dollar if you don't have toilet paper." And so he came out of the woods. His hands are all full of poop. And the guy said, what's going on with your hands? He goes, have you ever tried wiping your rear end with three quarters, two dimes, and a nickel? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I, I'm, just, I'm just shocked. I Josh, I'm shocked when people have never pooped in the woods. Oh, I have a buddy I go hunting with, and it, that's his least favorite part of it. Like, he, he, he wants to go home early because he does not want to. I know, guys, I know guys that will get constipation. Like, literally, they just won't do it Yeah, for three or four days. I I just don't, I mean, nobody loves to do it, but I mean, I just, it's just shocking to me. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just, I just, no, yeah. I mean, I, I probably have done that maybe t- 20,000 times, 10,000. I mean, you know, yeah. just 14, 15 to 18 times last week. It's part of it. So anyway, hey, hey guys, I, I, I'm sorry about that. I just, golly, Dale. Wow. 
I'm Any- sorry. <laughs> You're not proud of me anymore. No, just, I lost daddy's approval. I just I don't realize how much of a redneck I am until I talk to people who are civilized. <laughs> anyway, hey, guys, as you know, about a half a dozen times a year, we strategically interview guys that we call average Joes, arena heroes. And this guy actually is, he, he's not a Joe, but he's a Josh. And so we've got him on the show. Uh, these are guys that uh, maybe they don't have multi-million dollar uh, social media followers. Uh, they maybe haven't written a book, but they're guys that are grinded out. They're getting it done. They really are the true heroes of this ministry. They're the guys that are just doing the stuff. And so uh, our bread and butter is our experts and our authors, the guys that run organizations. But, man, we love to bring our average Joes in 6 to 10, 12 times a year just to hear their story and share uh, what they're doing and what's going on in their lives. And we have a story that is going to blow your mind. Uh, Josh and I go back several years, and I follow him on social media. When I saw his story, I jumped at the chance to hear what happened. Because he went Chuck Norris on a deal that you're just not going to believe. And so I'm really, really excited about this guest, Dale. And I just, all I heard was your social media videos. So I really haven't unpacked this thing. So I'm really, I'm really intrigued to unpack these events because you lived out what most guys fear the most besides pooping in the woods. You lived out what most guys. It's my number one fear in the woods. And it happened. Yeah, it isn't mine. But. It, it's always something in the back of your mind. Now, we had a guy on our podcast, Greg Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dale will put the episode number in the show notes, who was in, in uh, Alaska hunting, I think, caribou, and he actually got attacked and mauled by a grizzly. Oh, my. And at point blank, he shot, blew out the bottom of its jaw, and so it didn't kill him, but it it really deconstructed his face, and it was a, wow. it was a near-death deal. So that was pretty horrific. But your story, you know, we're here in Oregon, yeah, we don't have to deal with grizzlies. No, and so just to hear your story, but I don't want to unpack it right now. I want our listeners to go, what the heck are they talking about? But Dale, do you have a man word for us? Yeah, I wrote it down on my wrong pad that I had in the other room, but it's a it's a synonym of this word. So I'm just going to throw it out there, and it's alert. Um, and the reason why I'm thinking about this story <laughs> And I was, there was a season where I was gold mining in Eastern Oregon and I ran the water truck and at three in the morning I would be filling that thing up and I'm on top of a, a mountain and, um, you can't see anything cause it's all black. And I had carried my 45 on me, which probably wouldn't help me a whole lot if something came you bounding. shoot yourself in the head. It <laughs> come bounding towards me. But every time I bent over to turn that water on. Um, I, the hair on my neck would stand up straight, but I always had my head on a swivel cause I, I felt like as soon as I bent over, I was going to have something pounce me and its teeth would grab the back of my neck and snap it and then drag me off and eat me. So, um, yeah, I thought, Hey, alert's a good word today. Well, and you know, man, our, we need to be alert. Our equipping blast <laughs> that will be going out this week in response to this podcast really deals with staying alert. You know, there's a verse in the Bible I really like. It says, be sober. Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. It's a great verse, but what people don't realize is that a roaring lion is not the one you worry about. If you see a roaring lion, you're pretty safe. He's probably getting ready to breed. He's he's he, but it's the quiet lion that's 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 scary. And so, uh, man, do you have a hero story today or a shout out? From yeah, our reviews? I just got this uh, from a guy named Stephen in Awa. Minnesota, I believe that's 
how you pronounce that. I could be completely wrong. But he said, I've listened to every episode. It's done wonders, tuning me from just a male to a man. I'm Tuning a better... him or turning him? Well, you know what? He's probably saying turning, yeah. But you could be tuned into something. I'm getting tuned up, baby. Yeah, well, this... it, hey, you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. Doesn't tuned up mean get your butt kicked? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, never so mind. So are we t- kicking his butt? Or are we honing his skills? Or are we turning uh, him? Let me reread this <laughs> jack wagon. No, it's a, it's a typo. We can make fun of typos. Yeah. I do it all the time. I know you make typos. But anyways... <laughs> It's turning him from just being a male to being a man. And he says, I'm a better father, husband, and a man all around. So that was pretty cool. Man, I've never seen that one before. That's really cool. Well, that's because like, I get all send, the cool should, emails. Can you send those to me? Like, I, yeah, I could. That'd be awesome. Well, you know, I had a guy push back a little bit saying, I think a man and a male are the same thing. And I'm, I said, no, they're not. A male, you're born a male, but you choose to be a man. And so, anyway, hey, well, thanks for that review, man. And, hey, guys, keep those reviews coming. We'll share those with you. And if you reach out with your address uh, after we read your review, we will send you some uh, Men in the Arena swag. So, hey, I want to talk about my new guest today, Josh Calger. He is 39 years old, lives in Newburgh, Oregon, with his beautiful wife, Sophie. Been married 13 years. He's a husband, father, hunter, and he owns Calger Electric, which is a small electrical shop based here in Newburgh. And he has two sons, 8 and 10, and his hobbies include hunting, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, coaching, youth sports, and photography. And in 2015, you had an experience that we'll ask you about in just a second. But why don't you tell your story, just kind of a little bit about yourself and your life, and then uh, let's go from there into your 2015 cancer scare. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in Grants Pass, Oregon, Southern Oregon. I was uh, raised by my father and my stepmother. We attended uh, First Assembly of God Church there in Grants Pass, which is now uh, Parkway Christian Center. Grew up going to church, uh, grew up hunting with my dad. Actually, when I turned 12, he lost all 10 toes. He had a toxic shock syndrome. And so I had hunted with him from when I was nine till I was 12, but then it kind of changed to more, he would do more road hunting. <laughs> and uh-huh. so I kind of would go hunting with my friends when I turned 16. We would kind of get after it a little more. And then, um, Around 2000, I moved to the Portland area and kind of got away from some of the outdoor stuff that I grew up doing just Mm. because it was harder to find people with those same interests once you moved to a metropolitan area. So help me out. I'm drawing a blank on toxic shock syndrome. What caused that? Okay, so toxic shock syndrome is really something that females uh, get, and it's um, Mm. from tampon material. And so, um, from not wiping your butt in the woods, <laughs> from I'm not wiping with it. So it's like a, a thing that you can't have that material inside your body for longer than 24 hours. Well, um, my dad had nose surgery and they used that to pack the, yeah. the nose and, mm. uh, it was in there for five days and he was rushed to the hospital, um, with that still on his nose. And all his major organs were shut down. He was in a coma for 30 days. He lost half his lungs. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a kidney um, and all 10 toes. And oh, he my survived. gosh. Yeah. So is that a lawsuit type of deal? Is that a doctor error? It was a doctor error, and it was a lawsuit. It didn't. Um, it was one of those deals where the attorneys got uh, yeah. all of it. And then um, and he shortly after went through a divorce. And then uh, the 
wasn't really a lot left. Now, Josh, weren't you a youth pastor or a youth leader here in Newburgh? Yeah, I was. I was a youth leader um, over at Family Life Church in their youth group, and that's how we got connected. I was leading a, a young men's Bible study, and I reached out about um, a book series. And you were you. using our stuff, weren't you, for yeah. a while? So, yeah. are you still over there? No, not not over there. Um, the youth group kind of. Uh, just kind of fizzled out there and um and then i was kind of i did we moved on from that church it was i was not involved in ministry there anymore and i was kind of looking for more and then um yeah we've been kind of church hopping for yeah, a you should bit. come to our church yamhill <laughs> christian church yeah lot yeah and there's only 12 other electricians that go to that church <laughs> so seriously it's like <laughs> i i think every other friend of mine is electrician so we're gonna yeah. really start a cool gathering for men awesome it's a man church definitely a man church yeah. so love to have you come and join us check it we've out. been open up through all this whole thing we just meet outside we're like you're in oregon suck it up yeah you know here's your toilet paper go use that tree <laughs> so hey love so it. in 2015 you got you had a, a run for your life you you got testicular cancer will you walk us yeah. through that yeah, so um, I was just starting to kind of um, get back in hunting, but I had started a business um, three years before, and it was just kind of like consuming me. I wasn't really doing much besides working and coming home and getting on the couch, and it I just wasn't doing a lot, and I was working a lot. It's kind of a crazy story how it happened was um, – I was running between jobs. I had to go to the bathroom. It kind of seems to be the theme of this podcast is going to the bathroom, but I had to go to the bathroom. Well, between the toxic shocks and the tampons and (laughs) Dale's fear of going poop in the woods. Man, I'll tell you what, what a weird podcast. So uh, I had to go to the bathroom. There was nowhere to go to the bathroom. I was in Portland and I was driving between jobs and I was working long days and I hit hit a pothole while I had to go to the bathroom and so I didn't have to go to the bathroom anymore. Um, and the next day I just had a lot of pain down there and then it was getting worse and worse. And so I went to the doctor, they sent me to the urologist. Um, the urologist, uh, did some ultrasounds and they, he had told, well, maybe back up before I had the ultrasound, he said, uh, that I had, there's a valve on your bladder and if you don't go to the bathroom, it can release into your into your scrotum sack. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what happened. And I chemically burned my testicles with urine and I was in like immense pain. Well, uric acid. Yeah. Like immense pain. And so they wanted to do an ultrasound to see how bad the damage was. And so they did an ultrasound and they found out, they found that I had cancer that was like unrelated to this. Whole, unrelated? Unrelated. So I found it really early. So, so it's kind of a weird God thing. Weird God thing. And and um it was weird because like the the week before that happened, we were talking a lot about faith in uh in our home group. Uh I had mentioned like I believe that God can heal anything or do anything. But like where my faith is challenged is will he? Will he and me? And like mm. and then, you know, <laughs> two weeks later I find I have a a tumor in my testicle. And so that really challenged me. And, um, luckily I was able to have surgery and have it removed and they didn't find any other cancer in my body. And they said that it had the 15% chance of coming back 
and a 7% chance of coming back if I did chemo and radiation. And I was like, well, that's the same percent to me, 715. That's, yes. it's, so I didn't do it. And um, luckily this year, this last spring, I reached the five-year mark. I'm cancer-free. Wow. Uh, praise God. God. But coming out of that, I had a list of things that I had said I would do when I got in better shape and I had more time. And so when you say better shape, were you, I mean, you're a pretty fit looking dude right now. Were you a lot heavier back then? Um, I was about the same. It was, it was more chubby, but I just was like more sedentary. And I had been saying it since I was 24 when I was actually in really good shape. When I was 24, I was still saying that. So from 24 to 35, I had been making excuses about why I would not do the things that I was really interested in. Brazilian jiu-jitsu getting back into hunting and outdoors and hiking and then just kind of saying yes to things mm -hmm. like even doing this podcast, I would have said no, no, like, but now I, I kind of want to be pushed outside of my comfort zone. So you started, you have, you've just been hunting again since 2015. I started, yeah, actually that spring I knew that I had had a tumor and I went on a spring bear hunt and the, <laughs> I ended up getting a, a kidney stone on that hunt because I got so dehydrated. And then um, two weeks later, I had my testicle taken out. It's like a rough, rough two weeks. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I think the kidney stone's worse than the testicle. <laughs> I've had so eight bad. of those suckers, and people don't realize how bad those hurt. Yeah, it was so bad. So you had a rough 2015. Yeah. So you've been, so you've kind of been moving into this better and newer version of yourself in the last five years. Yeah. And so you, you, among other things, chose to become a solo hunter. Yeah. Is, was, is, and that happened in 2015? I went on my first solo hunt um, in 2017. And so um, that was just kind of based out of um, not, I was so passionate about it and I still couldn't find people who were as passionate as me that wanted to do things as much as I did. So when you when you when you talk about solo hunting, for those listening who aren't hunters, what define what that, that 2017 solo hunt? What did that look like? So I bought a backpack um, and a backpacking tent and lightweight gear. Listened to a lot of podcasts, watched a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I had I had basic survival skills from growing up. Um, being out outdoors. And then I took off for five days with, uh, you know, dehydrated meals and, um, and I ended up killing a bear on that trip. So was it a rifle hunt? It was a rifle hunt. It was a deer hunt that, uh, on the third day of the five days, I, I found a bear actually 200 yards from where I had set up camp. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the bear was still there. Um, on the fifth day. And so I finally, uh, my deer hunt was done. I shot the bear and it took me 23 hours to get it back to the truck. And that was my first solo hunt. How far were you from the trailhead? I was three miles. And then I was a mile from my tent when I ended up shooting the bear. And then was this also in the Eagle caps? This was in central Oregon, um, outside of, uh, uh, was that Oak Ridge? down there oh yeah. so you're up out of highway 58 mm -hmm. exactly like oh. closer to waldo lake there yeah 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 i know right where that is wow well that's in that wilderness area well, congratulations there. and have you had success every year since 2017 yes yeah. have you had killed the elk 
I have not killed an elk yet. So have they all been rifle hunts or are you doing archery? I, I picked up a bow last year. I missed a couple deer. Um, just archery gave me like buck fever all over again, which I hadn't. Those that don't know, buck fever is like when the adrenaline that happens when you um, sometimes see a large animal. Um, and I kind of was was used to shooting things with a rifle. It it would it didn't give me like uh, the nerves. Well, when you're 200 yards away, so this picture here was that elk was shot at 42 yards. Yeah, with a bow. And when you see an elk at 200 yards or a deer, there is a a slight sense of removal. Right. But when that elk is pissing all over itself and screaming at you, uh, it's a whole different level. <laughs> right. It is different. And that's that was the reason I wanted to pick up a bow is because I wanted to experience the rut. So And then so so what are so you, so you've been married 13 years. Mm-hmm. Did your wife have any concerns about this solo hunting deal? Oh, she still does and now now they're really amplified. Um and I, I last year she made me get a uh, an inReach. Yeah, those are great. Um, which is a device that you can text from if you if you have that plan, or you can um, has an SOS button that alerts search and rescue, and it gives your GPS coordinates. So that eased her uh, that that eased her a little bit her fears, but um, now they're back. <laughs> Yeah, I bet, man. Well, I mean, I I don't solo hunt. I do. I've done numerous, numerous, numerous backpack trips over the years. Uh, as I'm getting older, they're getting tougher. But I've got 20 year old kids that mm-hmm. want to go do that. So we just got back from an elk hunt. We did not backpack in, but we hunted elk. We probably put 100 miles on our feet. Actually, I've discovered elk. Uh, I'm, I've discovered backpack hunting. It's actually easier than camp truck hunting because truck hunting you have to keep coming back to the camp. With elk hunting or with our, a backpack hunting, you're always in the mountains. So it is uncomfortable, I guess, to sleep on a mat, but it's actually less work once you're out there. Right. And that's what people don't realize. But there's there are fears. What if I get attacked by a cougar? What if a bear comes? What if a raccoon eats my food? I mean, you know. Right. So. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot more fears and kind of introspectiveness with being yeah. alone in the woods. Um, and on this last trip, I was I was backpack hunting uh, just for that reason, just to get back. Took so much time and so much effort that if you're doing it from a truck, you're wiped out by yeah. like the third. If you if you did get an animal down and had to carry it out, you're already wiped out. Whereas you go back there, you work a lot less once you get back there. It's difficult getting in and out, um, but it's. Uh, it, it saves time and, and energy overall, I think. I agree 100%. So what's your plan for, let's say you're out there alone, you get an elk down, you've got a pack that you're carrying between 25 and 35 pounds on your back, I'm guessing, right? What do you, what was your pack weight? It was about 45 pounds on the way in. Holy cow, what I, were you carrying, like milk and I cookies? I carry camera gear. Oh, you do? I do love photography. And oh, this, this trip, I didn't even I didn't even do it. So you got batteries. I got two lenses. So that adds extra weight. And then um, luckily this time I was able to find water in there. So I didn't have to pack as much water with me. But sometimes you have to pack so what, water. So now you've already got a pack that is basically loaded. It's loaded. So you kill an animal. 
what's your plan for getting an animal out of it? You got an elk, you've got 400 pounds of meat, 300 yeah, pounds of meat. It's, it's a lot of trips and hopefully I can call somebody if I got something down. Uh, I have a few friends that like me enough that they would drive across the state to, to help me if I got something down. But, um, otherwise I'm just there for a few days, hopefully getting the meat in a cool spot first. You know, it's all about the meat care first and then, uh, getting my camp out last. Well, you were in the Eagle Caps. That's the that's the old stomping grounds of Cameron Haynes, and he actually had a guy that would pack his game in and out. Yeah, or at least out. Yeah, there are people you can call that will come in um, with horses and get it out. Um, some of those guys you have to have on reserve, and you're paying them whether you get something or not. Yeah, and I'm just not, with elk. I'm not at that level where I would put that money down first. But yeah. I have friends that do that. That's tough. So so tell us about this recent elk hunt in the Eagle Caps. Uh, tell it, you know, what, what did you do to prepare for this trip? And then let's walk through the trip. So, um, I was there two weeks bef- prior and I was into elk every single day. I couldn't get it done, but, um, I was truck camping then and, and I did that. I was wore out on the third day, um, because it was two miles and 2000 feet into it where you started hunting. Oh, and so. It was well. People people talk about oh, I just two thousand feet elevation. You don't understand what that is in the Pacific Northwest. Two thousand feet elevation is walking up a hill, Mm -hmm. and then walking down and walking back up the hill. Right. Most climbs here about a thousand feet. So two thousand feet elevation is a lot, and you're starting at what sixty five hundred feet elevation. Yeah, like just under six thousand. That's brutal. So you're into elk every day. You're exhausted. You decide. To pack up your stuff and get in the mountains. Right. So I, when I went back where the elk, the elk were in, in the back country and there was nothing close to the road. So I decided I'm going over there. I got over there, um, for my second trip late, um, like a half hour before dark, which was not ideal. And I, I was trying to make the decision. Do I want to hike up in the dark or do I want to, uh, sleep at the truck and then hike in. And oftentimes, uh, I throw a cot in the bed, bed of the truck. I like sleeping without a tent outside. I don't think I'm going to do that again, (laughs) but I like to set up just a cot, my sleeping bag under the stars. If the weather's clear and sleep next to the truck, that's, that's my preferred way to go. Um, on this trip, I decided I wanted to be up there early at first light. It was seven 30 at night. I took off in the dark and, and hiked up. How far in did you go before you camped? You climbed 2000 feet. How far in? So it's, it was about 1.7 miles. So two miles and 2000 feet. Yeah. And this, and Holy I, cow. I, I ended up about three or 400 feet short of 2000 feet. Um, so one of the things that happened on the way in is, uh, I came across, there's two clearings most of it is in the canopy, meaning that the trees are there. You you get no moonlight, you get no sun, no uh, starlight. It's very dark, and then there's a couple openings that you cross on the way up. And on the second one, there was a set of eyes on the trail where I was going to go, and um, I I never knew what those set of eyes were. Um, they looked very close together, which it, it is a signal of predator. a predator. I was thinking coyote, possibly. I was trying to be optimistic. <laughs> and um, I ended up taking my sidearm out and walking straight towards it 
and I till I got about 20 yards away. My light, my headlights, more of a floodlight, not it didn't have like a spot feature. It turned and ran off. But after that, I took out a second headlight, and when I would stop to rest, I would shine both ways. I was constantly looking behind me all the way in. Do you think it was a cat? Looking back, it could have been. Okay. Um, I still think it was probably a coyote, although I never heard any coyotes up there. And normally you hear them sound off yeah, totally. at night. Um, and in the the two trips that I made, I've never heard a coyote. I ran into some kids that said they saw a solo wolf on their game camera. So that that's scary too um, in that area. And so... Um, yeah, the, is there such a thing as a solo wolf? It, it's, it's usually a problem wolf if it is. Usually they're, yeah, they got buddies close by. Yeah, unless it was kicked out, and then uh-huh. it's gonna have it's gonna be a problem. A desperate wolf. Yeah, and so um, it didn't. It it was I was uh, on alert, but I was not. Um, it didn't. It didn't bother you me. You were that after much. elk. You were yeah. fired up to get some elk. You yeah, shooting your bow all year prepping for this thing exactly you're going you're all in baby i'm all in and i was in so much pain going up that hill with that pack that i didn't i didn't care about because what do you weigh you you can't be more than a buck 60 buck 70 i'm 175 so you're carrying yeah what's third of your body weight right (laughs) and so uh i got to a spot that i i was okay camping with but i uh looked behind me and I had a ball cap on. I always wear a ball cap. And my headlight was above the brim of the hat. And so when I turned back around, there was a rock that was like shin high. And I was looking for those eyes behind me. And I went over that rock. The pack drove my head into the ground. And I was like, I'm camping here tonight. You know, I'm finding the flattest spot and setting up a tent like my pack was still on. I was like a turtle stuck on my back with um, a cramp in my leg when I fell. Like my leg cramped, and I was unbuckling everything, trying to trying to get a uh, get free so I could stand up. You ever have a cramp so bad that like you just want to put weight on it? Well, that happened. I was stuck on my back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you finally got your camp set up. You slept for the night, or yeah. probably didn't sleep well. So the so the next day, next day I decided. Uh, when it got light, I was like, I actually really like this spot. Um, and I went out, um, I saw a nice deer that I, um, was setting up in a glassing spot, not really being that careful or quiet. And there was a deer that was like a hundred yards away and I banged my tripod on the rocks and it jumped off and took off. And I was like, well, that was a bonehead move. Um, and then I saw one other hunter who came in on a back trail. He must have came in nine miles that way on a trail that was a little easier grade to get in. And so um, I just kind of spent the day hunting around. I wasn't seeing the elk that I had been bumping around a couple weeks before. And um, I made a plan on calling elk from a specific location that was, um, I figured the elk would be coming out of that bedding area into a, a watering and, and feeding area. It's only spot of water up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be there a couple hours before dark and just call from there. And so that's what I did. I, I went and set up over there and, um, 
started cow calling and sometimes when i get up at that elevation i get like an elevation headache uh altitude sickness mm -hmm. and that's what happened on this trip how high were you at this point um i had come down from the ridge quite a ways so i was about 7500 feet okay and that's kind of like the baseline anything above that i'm pretty much going to get a headache wow and so it, it was like it was like a migraine kind of style headache and so i was like calling and i found this elk bed there was three spots that were laid down they looked pretty heavily used and uh i got in one that was very comfortable and with the headache i um I actually got into my first aid kit. I was going to take some ibuprofen or, or something like that. And all I had was like Advil PM. And I didn't mean to have that in there. I don't take anything that makes me feel groggy or anything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't take it. I decided na a nap might help. So I took a nap. And I was asleep 30, 45 minutes. And that's when I was awoken by a cougar um, that had stalked in on me. We're going to take a break, and we're going to hear from our sponsor. We'll come right back at you. Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. Okay, so you you wake up. You said you were awoken by a cougar. How were you awoken? So I was sleeping on my back um, with my head kind of on this uh, like half rotten log that was kind of soft. And I, I had my eyes closed and I heard branches breaking. Um, and I looked to my left at kind of a 45 degree and it, five yards away there's a tan body behind some twigs that are hanging down that are gray and dead and it is coming right towards me and how fast like faster than i can realize what's going is it on. pouncing i mean is it coming yes to a, okay it's, so it's coming when full, you by the time born. you open your eyes it's coming to get you it's it's, yes. it's in attack mode all the way yeah and so it actually takes longer to tell what's happening because like all these thoughts are processing through my head. And I'm, and the, my first thought was tan body deer, that deer must've just smelled me and didn't know where to run. And it's going to run me over. That was my first thought was I'm going to get run over by a deer. Um, my next thought was that is a mountain lion and it is at my feet. So the cat came from five yards away and stopped at my feet. How, how big is this cat? Like at, at the time, I thought it was eight feet long. Now, now I've looked at like lots of photos of cats, and I say he's probably six to seven feet long. Not including the tail, or including including the tail. The tail. I think the tail was so thirty inches. To hundred three pound feet long. cat. Hundred twenty five pound cat. So a juvenile. Was it a tom? Could you tell if it was a tom? It it looked like a tom. It looked like a full grown tom to me. Like so, hundred twenty five pounds. Yeah. I guess that's bigger than a juvenile. That's a full grown yeah, cat. Yeah. And they're yeah, pretty low to the ground too, so you're right. like face to face, face to face, and it's and it ran up and stopped, and I don't know what made it stop. Why it didn't pounce on my 
face. <laughs> well, I, I have a theory. Uh, you know, we're both Christian guys, and the Bible says that God has given man dominion over animals. And I think a lot of these attacks, where there's an actual attack of a lion to a human, either that animal is desperate because it's been pushed out of its territory, or it's a case of mistaken identity. And I'm, do you think that thing stopped in front of you because it thought, oh no, there's a human? I mean, what what are what are you thinking at this point? It's at your feet. I know hindsight's clearer, but so what happened was I didn't even realize that it stopped until I replayed it in my my mind. All I know is this cat was coming straight at me and was at my feet and I was awoken. I was thinking deer, cat, and I just started kicking my feet and screaming no. And I kicked the cat right underneath the chin. You Chuck Norris it. We call that a roundhouse kick. Don't it wasn't a little baby screaming thing. You Chuck Norris that thing. So right. so it's at your feet, you kick it in the neck. Mm-hmm. And it, and it I'm did yelling. not. It did not actually pounce on you. No, right as it got, right as it got to my feet, I kicked it. And and another thing I was thinking is I was wearing full camo, and I was wearing a, a camo puffy coat with a hood on, and so I don't know if it even knew where my feet started and stopped and my body started. I know that the only thing exposed was my face. I don't think. I think it thought you were food. Mm-hmm. And not an apex predator, right? And it it was as scared as I was when I kicked it. <laughs> like, and in uh, that fight or flight kicked kicked in, and I got one kick on the cat, and it turned around and and started running off, and it didn't run like like a scared animal. It just kind of like jogged off. Like, okay, I'm not getting that one, but I don't really care. Like, it it was it was almost eerie how not afraid it was, nonchalant. And I was still in fight mode. So I was standing up. I was kicking trees. I was punching things. I was. Oh, really? I was angry. Angry. Did you ever think about grabbing your pistol or your bow? Never thought about it. I had a pistol strapped to my chest, zipped up underneath a puffy. Um, Never crossed my mind until it was gone. Then I unbuckled the holster and and had it ready in case it came back. But um, my first thing was like, I need to tell my wife what happened because like I needed to talk about it. So did you keep hunting? So <laughs> or did you say, screw this, I'm out of here. I was pretty much mentally done. Yeah. Um, but I did have to stay up there at night because I was not gonna hike out at dark. It happened at five. I oh was, wow, that late. I was a mile from my tent and two miles from the truck. The math didn't make sense that I could pack up my tent, clean up my my site and get uh, to the truck. Did you before sleep dark. in the same spot, or how, was your camp a ways away? I, I could see my camp, but it was about a mile away. How so, how'd you sleep that night? I woke up. Well, when you're sleep when you're backpack hunting, you never really sleep through the night. Yeah. One of the biggest things is the temperature change is probably like 30, 40 degrees a night. So you're like waking up, you're going to bed sweating, and you're waking up throughout the night, layering up. You know. Um, and so every time I would wake up, it would be fist clenched, heart racing, like um, ready to fight again. Well, we were hunting elk uh, in uh, central Oregon near Seneca area, mm-hmm. and it was 88 to 90 degrees during the day. And at night, it was in the high 30s. So there was a yeah. significant drop. And when you're in the Eagle Caps, you must have been dropping under 30. The the first morning I woke up, there was frost on the ground. So it was it was low 30s i would imagine so at this point 
at this point you have the inReach Mini. Do you is was it the Mini you had? No, I just have the, the, the regular the one. InReach. Yeah. Were you able to reach out to your wife and, and contact her mm-hmm. or okay? Yeah. And and she said come home. Yeah. And my I, I I actually got to the ridge and I can get cell service up there and, and it's not great. But um I called her and I, I was obviously on speakerphone, my kids were there and she's like, What happened? What happened? And I was telling her what happened and my oldest who is starting to go hunting with me was like, Hey dad, do you think I could kick a cougar? I was like, I hope you don't have to, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you don't yeah, have I mean, to. I, I, I've hunted, I've hunted, I've been killing big game animals since 11. Mm-hmm. And I've been in the, I've spent many, many hours. I mean, like I said, I bet I'm in the 20,000 poop club in, in the wilderness. I've seen two cougars in the wild. And one was a year ago on the John Day River in a campsite, like a public campsite. Wow. So, I mean, I have not seen a lot of, coo- you know, cougars, mountain lions, puma, whatever you want to call them. So to have an encounter like you you had is is really rare, and to have one that close. Yeah, I, that was my third one I've seen, and I did not see one until last spring. I saw one in southern Oregon outside of Gold Beach on a spring bear hunt, and then um, I saw one right east of Klamath Falls during archery season. And both of those, the cat was running away from me just coming just walking on a trail um and so yeah there's a there's a lot of cats in oregon yeah yeah there really are so so what's your what's your what did you learn from this like what are how will you do this different in the future what is your what is uh, your hunting strategy going to look like well my biggest takeaway is i'm not going to sleep in a spot where i'm calling elk especially cow calling ever again that's that's off the table for me now um but other than that i i don't think much is going to change you'll keep solo hunting yeah i'll definitely keep solo hunting um a lot of times i'll leave my sidearm behind just because i don't want the weight um and i don't think i'll do that anymore i think that that thing is now uh, on my body at all times so here's a pushback on that a little bit so you had a sidearm it was literally on your chest and when the worst possible scenario ever happened, it was the last thing you thought of. Is there futility in carrying a firearm? There might be. Yeah, there definitely might do you be. Think it's a, do you think it's a, just a security thing for you now, or do you think it might be something that would actually help you? Well, a lot I of, don't carry a sidearm a for lot the of, reason you just shared with me. Yeah. The, a lot of the uh, a lion attack specifically, um, they they're not like a one bite and it's over. They're a uh, kind of a wrestle thing. Well, cause they're trying to get behind you mm-hmm. and get, well, you know, like a rear naked choke. They want to get behind you. They yeah. want to snap your occipital bone behind your neck. Yeah. That's how they kill things. So for them to do that, they have to get in a position of dominance. Right. So I guess you would have time to pull a firearm out. Right. There was a, uh, a, that woman that was killed, um, in in Oregon a couple of years ago, the hiker she didn't have anything to fight that mountain lion mm-hmm. off, and that was a a really small cat that got her. But um, I had heard from people that worked the scene that that she was attacked four times before it finally got her. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think for a cat, a sidearm could be valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, could your bow uh, be valuable? You know, or a knife? You know, um, possibly. Uh, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, who's in uh, your intro, he he killed a cat with a knife. 
So on a on a with dogs, but wow! I've what, what book was that in? I've read it's several letters. Of his books. To, it's letters to his kids. Oh, really? He talks about a, a lynx and a cat hunt, a cougar hunt in Colorado. So he killed a lynx or a cougar? He killed the lynx with a gun. He said he shot it down low as to not mess up the hide. And then the cat he got with a knife. And he said he had always dreamed of doing that. So have you read, uh, he didn't write this book, but it's about him, The River of Doubt? I have not. But I, I, I'm at a stage where like I want to consume so much about him. He's yeah, he's a he he was an amazing human. So River about doubt he had a tendency to retreat into isolation when something bad happened to him. So his wife died giving birth to their son, and he left the kid and took off to the Missouri breaks for a couple of years. And then when he lost, you know, he was a two term president. He ran for the third term under the Bull Moose Party. So he split the parties. He lost the election. He kind of pouting, I guess you would say. He took off for this adventure uh, down uh, uh, an unknown river. I think it was called the River of Doubt in the uh, Brazil in the in South America. Oh, wow. And it literally, it literally, his son Kermit, I think his name was, ended up committing suicide about five years after it. And then actually, Teddy Roosevelt died sometime after as well with the health result health issues he had from the trip. But what it's just an amazing. I mean, we're so soft. We're so soft. But what the thing about Roosevelt that used to that amazes me is he used to carry a lethal dose of morphine on any adventure he went on. And if he became a burden to the group, the plan was to take it. Unbelievable. So on this trip, he got really sick and he actually got bit by a snake, but it didn't penetrate his boot. But he got really sick and he was basically dying. And he begged them to leave so he could take the morphine and not be a burden. And his son refused. His son Kermit was Kermit was a bad A. This dude was tough. But what happens after these epic adventures? A lot of times they're such a letdown. Guys can't live. And Kermit committed suicide. Same thing with Lewis and Clark. Meriwether Lewis, uh, shortly after the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition, committed suicide. Do you know? I don't know if people know this. I know, they don't teach this in history. Right. He actually had. His muzzle, two muzzleloader pistols. The first one, he shot himself in the chest, but missed, and the kind of the bullet went all around. Oh and goodness. he's like, "Oh no, I didn't kill myself. He had to shoot himself twice." So a lot of these guys, the letdown is so great after these traumatic, traumatic, epic adventures, and so it's really, really interesting. So Roosevelt so though was, well, Roosevelt was very impressive. In fact, Roosevelt in his book, Hunting Stories of a Ranchman, actually tells a story, and I'm telling you, it's Sasquatch. I'm just telling you, he's got a, it's a very short section in a book and he doesn't go over it very well. You're like, oh my gosh, this is, yeah. I, so I don't know if he told, did it as a joke, but when you read it, you're like, it's epic. Anyway, so back to your story. So, so is your wife going to let you go solo hunting? Yeah, I, I would have gone, uh, for the final weekend. Um, but I had a tree fall at my house and I had to take care of that. So I didn't get to leave town. So, so you're a follower of Christ. Yes, sir. So what is. What's the take? What's the lesson learned from your line attack? How do you how do you link that up and lock arms with Christianity? Is there a, is there a is there a parallel? Is there something here that we can learn a parable, so to speak? No, I like the verse that you shared. I did not know. I did not know that one. Um, but uh, I was laying in my tent that night and I was thinking about Daniel and the lion's den, and like like just how visceral that 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 fear was of staring a, a cat in the face, even if it was 
for a split second and how he spent a whole a whole day in there with mm-hmm. with with bigger lions than that and uh what kind of faith that would would take to to not not have it be a traumatic experience even so you took a pistol into the wilderness mm-hmm. what was the number one reason you took that pistol for that very reason okay because you said earlier in the podcast your greatest fear was a lion attack. We we don't have to worry about bears in Oregon. Black right. bears aren't going to hurt you. No. So the only fear really in Oregon is that we don't really have we don't even have snakes this time of year no. around. So your biggest fear is the mountain lion. So you brought the pistol for your greatest fear. You face the worst case scenario of your greatest fear. So what is your takeaway about fear? Interesting. Um, While know. you're thinking about that, so the greatest fear of a human is dying. Right. And the greatest fear of, I mean, I think a lot of times there's an underlying fear of people in our society of what if I get cancer? Right. I mean, what if yeah. I, I'm, I'm one doctor's appointment away from a cancer. Exactly. And I have several friends battling cancer for their lives, right? So you've, you've, you've experienced the worst medical fear. Right. You've experienced the worst wilderness fear. Right. So how do you help our guys listening when it comes to fear? Um, that's interesting. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have the, the words right now. That's something I'm still probably working through, to be honest with you. Yeah, because um, this is, what, I have, two weeks old? Yeah, it's two. it happened, uh, no, a week ago Sunday... So last Sunday, so it's like a week and a half old. This is awesome. I mean, it's, I'm honored that you're in here sharing this. So would you say then, I know you're processing this, so I appreciate your honesty. Would you say that this experience will cause greater fear in the future or this experience will cause less fear in the future knowing you've already overcome it and knowing the odds of it even happening once? Yeah, I would say uh, I will probably... I will probably have a mixture of both, honestly. Uh, I will probably have times where it creeps up on me, but overall, I'm not. I'm not fearful of it happening again. Um, I I would go out this weekend and not expect that to ever happen again. But there'll be there'll be times where I will think about it, and my heart will start racing, and 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 I believe that there's a a fear element to that so when it comes to your christian life what have you learned about predators uh, satan his plan for you the way he maybe stalks you if he stalks you how he sets up for the kill have you have you been able to draw any kind of distinction between that oh definitely um i definitely think that we need to be prepared um, for an attack at all times and, and have a plan. But, but sometimes our plan may not, uh, ever come into fruition. We might just have to do what is, um, instinctual. Um, and that's where, you know, being prepared in the word and being in prayer all the time, knowing in communication and relationship with God, um, and not guessing it, take some of that instinct to do that 
So I, I love your perspective. Have a plan. My takeaway from what you said, mm-hmm. have a plan. Don't live in fear. Right. So have a plan for all content, which is a backpacking mantra, right? Plan right. for all contingencies, but don't live in fear of any of those contingencies. I, I heard a guy on a recent pod, the Hunt Back Country podcast, he talked about men packing their fears, right? right? So do you see yourself packing any more fears next time you go into the wilderness? With a 45-pound pack, I guess there's not much guess, more to pack. <laughs> there is. <laughs> the first time I went, I was like, I couldn't, couldn't move the thing, you oh, know? Dude. And then, like, the more you go, the more you, like, I didn't use that. I'm not carrying that again. I didn't use that. I'm not carrying that again. But, yeah, I, I think... I will. Yeah. I think I, I think I would still like to be, I think I still will have some fears if I'm just being vulnerable. Like, I think I still will pack some fears and some things that ease my wife's mind as well. Um, so, so there's some external pressures that, Mm -hmm. um, that I have to take into account. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, um, I know that I can rely on God to take care of all of my needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I know that that is, um, 100% there. That's my ultimate backup plan. So you have sons that are eight years old and 10 years old. Yeah. How will this affect, how will this event with a lion affect their hunting and your training them? Um, well, I, I, I think that I think that I made a an error of sleeping where I where I was doing something that could attract attention. And um that's one of the things that, you know, you have to be conscious of. And I think that that's all that I'll teach them is, you know, keep your food out of your tent in case bears come. Keep um your yourself safe as you can. Um call if you're going to call call from a place where you can see predators coming towards you and um and and don't be afraid because the the worst case scenario did happen to me and I came out without a scratch came out with a gnarly story of kicking a lion in the face yeah not what I intended and not really what I wanted but it is kind of cool <laughs> That is pretty cool, man. Well, hey, Josh, thanks so much for coming on our show. We like to have a boots on the ground action item for our guys, and I just don't have one. <laughs> I am speechless. I just thanks soaking in your story. I think if there's any action item for our guys, it'll be prepare your life for all contingencies. Be ready. Be in the moment, and uh, don't don't sleep where you're calling elk. Love it. <laughs> thanks, Josh, for coming on the show. Dale, take us home, brother. Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to meninthearena.org and get your free resource from us. There's a link in the top right corner of our website, and each month we strive to bring you a free resource to help you on your journey to becoming your best version. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And kick a lion in the face. Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's Bathroom Book for Men, The Field Guide. 
It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.